0: Calvary, For it is the power point, the pivotal place for those of us who have trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Calvary reminds us that even today we have the victory through Jesus Christ. Now God, bless the preparation of this word, bless the proclamation of it. Give it supernatural, penetrating power that you will be glorified, your people blessed, in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn with me once again to the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 6. And we want to shine the sermonic spotlight on verse 10, which reads, Your kingdom come. We're moving through a series of sermons entitled, Jesus Teaches His Disciples to Pray. And today, we want to look at his words in this teaching of his disciples to pray, Your Kingdom Come. The story is told of two lumberjacks, an older one and a younger one. And I thought as I prepared this, I might order let our younger crowd know what a lumberjack is. A lumberjack, back in the day, was a profession where men cut down trees. There may have been some women there as well. We don't know. I don't know for sure. But I know it's a profession where they cut down trees for a living. So this story is about two lumberjacks. One was an older gentleman and the other was a younger gentleman. Both of these lumberjacks were known for their expertise and their speed when it came down to cutting trees. Well, the younger challenged the older to a contest to see who could cut down the most trees in one day. And so the contest began. The younger man with his vim, his vigor, his vitality, began chopping down one tree after another, and he chopped them down without stopping. But He soon noticed that the older gentleman chopped trees for one hour, and then he took a 15-minute break. At the end of the day, when all the trees were counted, the older lumberjack had chopped down one-third more trees than the younger lumberjack. So puzzled by the older man's seemingly super progress, the younger man asked, how could you, taking a break every hour, cut down more trees than I did nonstop all day? which the older lumberjack responded, when I stopped cutting, I was sharpening my axe. A lot of Christians are like that. Young lumberjack. Isn't that right? They're spending all their time chopping away at life, chopping away at at ministry, with a dull axe and not making the progress they could or should be making. But they're chopping away. They're busy, they're involved, they're doing ministry, they're chopping away Amen. with a dull axe and not making the progress they should be making. If John Bunyan, the writer of Pilgrim's Progress, uh, once stated, and if you have not read Pilgrim's Progress, it's a small book, very inspirational. I encourage you to, to get it. Go online and get it and, and, and read it. It's a great book. But but Bunyan once said, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. Prayer is an essential part of the Christian life Amen. style. In fact, it is so essential that Jesus took the time to teach his followers how to pray. He teaches them in Matthew uh, 6, verses 9 to through 14, what has become known uh, to many as the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. Now, if Jesus begins this vital lesson on prayer, he says in verse 9, In this manner, uh-huh. therefore pray. In this mindset, if you will, in this style, in this manner, therefore pray. And he begins, Our Father in heaven. Now, by way of review from the past couple of weeks, I'm going to review a couple of things, and then we'll come back to our verse of the day. Our Father in heaven, here Jesus does two things. First, he helps his disciples see themselves. Don't miss this. He helps them see themselves as treasured, prized, deeply valued, and highly appreciated members of God's family. That's the point Jesus is driving home. First of all, that's how he wants his disciples to see themselves when they pray. He wants people, he wants us, he wants his followers to see ourselves as treasured, prized, deeply valued, and highly appreciated Members of the family of God. We are not just praying to some abstract phenomenon or some big guy up in heaven. We are praying to a God who loves us, prizes us, values us, appreciates us, and has put us into his family by way of Jesus. He does that by teaching them to pray our Father. The word Jesus used for Father in the text is Abba. Abba is an Aramaic word as well as a Greek word used to express a warm, cherished, close, and personal relationship a father has with his sons and his daughters. That's Abba. Abba is not a dad that votes by proxy. Abba is not a father who is not intimately involved in the lives of his children. Abba. The Abba Jesus talks about expresses a warm, a cherished, a close relationship between a father and his sons and daughters. So the point Jesus is making in this text to his followers, and to us, is this. When you pray, pray in this manner. When you pray, always bear in mind that you are praying to your heavenly Father, Abba Father, who loves you deeply, cherishes you more than you can comprehend. Bear in mind that the Heavenly Father unto whom you pray in the morning, during the afternoon, in the evening, the Father that you pray to all day long is up close and personal with you and is intimately involved in the minute details of your life. If a sparrow can't fall without him knowing it, And the very hairs of our head, at least for some of us, accounted by him. Then he's actively involved in every minute detail of our lives. There's no aspect of your life or my life where God is not in He is actively involved in every single solitary detail of our life. The highs, the lows, the pains, the joys, the disappointments, the excitement, the accomplishment. God is in it all. Even when we hurt, God is there. Even when we rejoice, God is there. Second, Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name means God's name is to be counted holy at all times. It is never to be profaned, never to be minimized, always to be counted holy at all times. God's name is to be honored. God's name is to be revered. God's name is to be held in highest esteem always, on every occasion, without exception. Now, the third lesson Jesus teaches in this model prayer is where we want to focus most of our attention today, and that's in verse 10, where the text reads, your kingdom come. Now, I don't know about you, but but for years when I prayed this prayer, it was kind of rope for me. Y- you know, you know, we just kind I just kind of went through it. I learned how to pray it and I just went through it, but oftentimes I didn't give a whole lot of thought to it. Even in the military, as a chaplain, when we closed our services, we often prayed our fathers. And I confess a lot of times I just kind of, you know, went went through the motion. But this is more than that. This is deeper than that. Your kingdom come. What does it mean? The word kingdom means sovereignty and domain. Dominion. It means complete rule, absolute reign, and authority. Therefore, when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, your kingdom come. He is literally saying, when you pray, when you petition, when you request of God, ask God to usher in his kingdom, usher in his authority, usher in his rule and his reign. Jesus teaches his followers to pray for the coming of God's kingdom agenda, God's standards, God's morals, God's values, and God's ethics. Now, this petition has twofold meaning. Stay with me. Twofold meaning. First, this prayer petition is about the future. Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom come. It has a future connotation. This request is about petitioning God for the day when Jesus will return in his glorious splendor. That will be the day when, as Paul points out in Philippians 2, 10 and 11, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Won't that be a wonderful day? (coughs) Every knee. On Capitol Hill will bow. Isn't that amazing? Every knee in Tallahassee, across the nation, every state house, every country, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. That's going to be a great day every knee in the White House and in your house and in my house will bow without exception that's going to be a lot of bow the arrogant will bow the prideful will bow the millionaires will bow the billionaires will bow everybody will bow and on that day everybody will realize that we're all equal at the foot of the cross No big eyes and little you. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Your kingdom come is a prayer for the establishment of the final kingdom of God when under the lordship of Jesus Christ there will be complete joy, complete peace, and complete holiness in the presence of our Father forever. When that day comes, hearts will be pure. Lying, deceit, distrust, confusion, shame, pain, suffering, wars, rumors of wars, loss, tears, and even death will be banished forever. Forever. That's something to look forward to. Amen. Jesus said, pray that. Pray, thy kingdom come. Keep in mind, it's going to be a glorious day. The kingdom of God is no pipe dream. It is as sure, as certain, as any established fact of history. Think about how the Bible has fulfilled itself. Think about the facts of history. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What he says will happen. This is no pipe dream. It is as sure as any established fact of history. And in it, our greatest dreams will come true. In fact, beyond our greatest dreams. I like that song, don't you? I can only imagine. I mean, we can only imagine what heaven will be like. It will be beyond our wildest imagination. So Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come. But secondly, this prayer petition is about the present. While Jesus taught his followers to pray for the coming Of the kingdom in its future tense. His teaching also covered the coming. Of the kingdom present tense. That's because Jesus did not want his disciples. Living. A laissez faire. Living with a laissez faire. Other worldly attitude. Where all they did. Was sit around all day. Complaining. And and criticizing as they waited for Jesus to return. No, he wanted them actively engaged in life. He wanted them to have goals, to set goals, and to have dreams, and to work towards making their dreams and reali- goals a reality. He wanted his followers and wants his t- followers to play, pr- to work have meaningful employment, to pray, have relaxation and leisure, and and enjoy ourselves, to raise families, to have fun, to enjoy the goodness of his blessings in the here and in the now. So it was he taught them to petition God for the kingdom present. Notice when Jesus began his public ministry, the very first words out of his mouth after reading from Isaiah, according to Matthew 4:17, were repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see that? Kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's kingdom present tense. Oh, y'all gonna work pastor this morning. Later in Luke 17:21. He said of himself, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. That's kingdom present. That's right now kingdom. That's meantime kingdom. Make no mistake about it, Jesus was passionate about the kingdom in the future tense as well as in the present tense. In fact, the word kingdom occurs 49 times in Matthew, 16 times in Mark, and 38 times in Luke for a total of 103 times in those gospels. Luke 4 43 tells us that before Jesus went to the cross, he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. If I was sent for that, purpose acts one and three records that for the 40 days jesus remained on earth between his resurrection and his return to heaven he spoke to his disciples of the things concerning the kingdom of god now, if jesus taught his disciples to pray your kingdom come his lesson to them was about more than them verbalizing a request for the kingdom to come. That's future. He wanted them to be actively involved in the actualizing of the kingdom to come that's present. In other words, Jesus was not only teaching them to pray your kingdom come, but he was also calling them to participate in the coming of the kingdom. This prayer demands of all who pray it participation in the process. So what does participation in the process involve? What does it look like? Three things very quickly and I'm done. First, we, when we participate, we pray for the final and ultimate establishment of God's kingdom. We pray for the day when all creation will freely Call him our Father, dearest Father. Second, we pray your kingdom come so we will be conformed to the Father's will in this world. That's participatory. As we pray, we hand ourselves over to the grace of God so he may do with us as he. He pleases. That's participating in the kingdom present. Here at the Good Hope Church, we say, "If Jesus says, Thou will be done. We turn our lives over to the grace of God. We say to God as a church, do with us as you please. We say as children of God, Father, do with us, not as I will, but as you will. Yeah. We say your kingdom come in my life. Use me for your kingdom's sake. Yeah. And third and finally, your kingdom come is a prayer that God's rule will come to others through. Us. That's present. That's participatory. It is a prayer for Jesus Christ to work his revolutionary power in and through us. So we can work it in and through this fallen world in which we live. Your kingdom come is a prayer for God to ignite in us a fire, a passion to change our community, change our world as we have opportunities to do so. And I love our our participation in helping the church in Tortola because we are praying thy kingdom come, but along with it we are using our power to bring the kingdom the reality of the kingdom to a people who are hurting and a people who are in need. When we went to Haiti and this church supported that mission outreach, we were bringing the kingdom. Every plate of beans and rice to a hungry child is bringing the kingdom. It's thy kingdom come. When we pray your kingdom come, in our families, our our jobs, our city, our state, our nation, and in the world, we are saying to God, God, use us to promote change. Don't sit back and think, well, we don't have any say-so. We don't have any power. Yes, we do. Let God use you. This is a big prayer that depends on our big God. the communion table today reminds us of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And through his death, burial, and resurrection to save us from our sins and resurrection from the dead, it says to us, we can pray with confidence, thy kingdom come, because our God. A. Hey.